Hi, I'm Susan Raff, and welcome to Real Talk. We have a really interesting topic today, and I think it will interest a lot of people, and that is electric vehicles. Some of us have them. We're seeing more of them on the road, but the reality is, I think, uh, in the next coming decade, uh, more and more of us are going to be required to have them because the governor and his administration are pushing for all cars, new cars sold in 2035 to be electric. Some feel that's an overly ambitious goal, that we don't have the infrastructure. Uh, but without further ado, I want to welcome Charles Rathenberg from Save the Sound. Uh, and you might be wondering, uh, Save the Sound, uh, that has to do with the ocean. So why don't you explain to our listeners and viewers how Save the Sound works to save our environment? Um, sure. Uh, thank you, Susan. Happy to be here. Um, and I'm the climate and energy attorney with Save the Sound. Uh, climate and energy is one of our large program areas um, and has been for a number of decades. Um, obviously, climate as a global all-encompassing issue um, adversely impacts uh, all of our natural resources as well as uh, human health and our economy. Um, so it's a, a critical foundational issue um, to be working on. We hear. And I'm glad. Go ahead. No, and I was just going to say I'm, I'm glad you introduced the topic of the uh, pending regulations to adopt uh, updated uh, motor vehicle uh, emission standards um, here in Connecticut. I think everyone would like a cleaner environment, and most people agree we need to do something, and pretty aggressively. Uh, but Republicans this week have were pretty critical of the plan, even though in uh, 2004. Uh, the move towards cleaner air and adopting California standards received uh, unanimous support. Uh, but the reality also is that we don't have enough charging stations and that electric vehicles are still expensive and unaffordable for many Connecticut families. Uh, so uh, thank you for that uh, that question. And let me begin just by laying uh, the groundwork. Um, as you noted, uh, Connecticut um, has been uh, implementing uh, California's uh, stringent motor vehicle emission standards, including uh, so-called zero emission vehicle or in shorthand uh, electric vehicle standards um, since 2004, uh, very successfully. Um, we get some criticism about being linked to California, but it's really important to understand that that relationship is part of um, the federal Clean Air Act. It's specifically authorized and supported by the federal Clean Air Act. Um, and why California? They're the only state that can um, adopt their own motor vehicle emission standards. And that's because they have expertise and long experience in doing that. The Clean Air Act um, came along several years after California had already been involved in addressing serious air quality uh, problems through motor vehicle regulations. So the Clean Air Act recognizes California's expertise, allows them to adopt more stringent standards than the federal government, and to uh, take advantage and scale up the benefits of California's um, uh, more health protective standards. It also expressly allows other states to follow California standards rather than the weaker federal standards. And currently 17 states across the country are doing so, including Connecticut, um, including all of our neighbors here in the Northeast region. Um, so it really is um, a, a regional partnership 
with California um, and the states that follow California standards are very involved in the development of those standards as well. So uh, it's not as though we do not have a voice in these standards. Um, with respect to where we are with um, electric vehicles, um, they do still represent, as you point out, a small portion of the market. But California's regulations have been very successful in helping to um, expand that market. Uh, currently across the nation, they account for about 8% of vehicle sales. And that's consistent with the targets that were established um, in California's first generation of uh, zero emission vehicle standards. So um, it's working. And I should also point out, it's not a matter of the technology uh, lagging and not being ready for prime time, as it were, uh, which is why Connecticut, Connecticut and the nation's uh, uh uh, percentages are so low. If you look at other countries, uh, the European Union, um, one in every five vehicles sold is an electric vehicle. Um, in Norway, 80% of all new vehicle sales um, are electric Right. Vehicles. I think a lot of countries uh, have had a jump start uh, and maybe we're late to the game. In fact, I was in California a few years ago and I was quite surprised to see so many um, electric uh, vehicles. And I, I thank you for laying that out. And I think it's it's certainly a worthy goal. But I think the reality is, I mean, recently, United Illuminating put forth a proposal um, to state regulators to build uh, 1000 charging stations. That's put on hold at this moment. Um, we don't have the infrastructure. So with that, you know, how do we get there? So Connecticut is talking about um, expanding rebates uh, to help people, uh, you know, be able to buy these cars. But I don't believe we have the infrastructure in place. And isn't that a heavy burden on a lot of people to say in 2035, sorry, you, you know, if you want to buy a new car, you have to buy electric. Uh, so, First of all, some misinformation. Uh, the requirement in 2035 um, does not require everybody to buy uh, an electric vehicle. Um, it's a 100% sales requirement for manufacturers selling new vehicles. New so vehicles, right. You can buy a used one. You could buy a used vehicle if they wanted. Also, 20% of uh, the target throughout the ramp-up period uh, can be satisfied using um, plug-in hybrid electric vehicles. Um, so those also fall within the rubric. So it's not just straight um, electric vehicles. Charging infrastructure is important. I think these pieces go together hand in hand. Um, and notwithstanding the most recent UI rate case, um, it's actually a Pura uh, mandated program that both electric utilities, Eversource and UI, are engaged in providing incentives for the development of EV charging structure across the board. And that includes not only incentives to um, uh, homeowners um, for uh, personal residential charging, it's uh, commercial so-called direct uh, charge fast charging, um, it's for fleets, it's for destination charging, if you're at the mall or what have you. Um, so there is a very robust program currently being implemented by the public utilities to support charging um, across the state. Um, and uh, that has been very successful. Um, you know, some about market segments are doing better than others, but okay. uh, it's been so successful, in fact, that uh, last year, Pura revisited the targets and moved forward some of the rebates from future years to allow them to scale up more quickly, given the demand. 
Right. But what about also the need for more power, right? We we know we, we're going to need that if everybody's going to be plugging in uh, their cars, whether it be at home. I heard some astronomical uh, number, I'm not right sure, or, you know, how much power we're going to need. Where does that come from? Does ISO New England provide that to us? We have to buy that. I mean, we are going to need a lot more electricity. Uh, we, we are, and we are planning for that. Um, you know, again, one of the things that I heard at the uh, GOP press conference was that, uh, you know, laudable goal, but we need to slow down and we need to plan. Well, the fact of the matter is, um, we're already planning for this. Um, we've been planning for it for a number of years. Um, if you look at Deep's uh, regular integrated resources plan reports, um, they model a number of scenarios um, and specifically looking at uh, the clean renewable energy resources that we'll need to bring online to support um, a number of scenarios, including, uh, importantly, a um, high electrification model where we're increasing uh, electrified end uses both in our buildings as well as our motor vehicles. Um, So this is on planners' uh, radar. Uh, We are moving in that direction. Uh, Just a few weeks ago, uh, Deep issued um, two Uh, separate RFPs um, for several thousand megawatts uh, of power from both offshore wind and other uh, clean renewable resources, um, which I guess now under the new definition uh, could also include uh, new uh, nuclear resources. So um, this is not something that uh, is uh, news to anybody and there is a robust planning process in place. So you think that the cost, do you think the cost of a uh, electric vehicle will go down? I know some Teslas now are selling for a lot less than when they first came out on the market. And with the rebates, it will be an affordable option for Connecticut families. Yes, absolutely. Um, we're As you point out, we're already seeing the cost of electric vehicles coming down. Um, and importantly, one aspect of uh, the, the California regulations is manufacturers can get extra credit for the vehicles they sell under a number of couple scenarios, which are designed to enhance affordability. Um, number one, if vehicles are selling in the uh, the, the $20,000 range, um, which is about the the, the cheapest EV on the market right now, um, they get a little um, adder to credit that particular vehicle. So again, to incent the production of lower cost vehicles. Um, Also, as we look at some of our uh, low income communities, there's a community-based program. um, If uh, manufacturers are willing to um, provide uh, vehicles at a 25% discount in certain communities, they can get a more aggressive uh, adder to their credits. Um, So there are um, some flexible compliance mechanisms aimed specifically um, at making vehicles more affordable. So I'm gathering from um, our conversation that you think this is doable, that Connecticut is uh, making strides in this. Uh, But before I let you go, I want to ask you about batteries. That's something that, uh, you know, I mean, depending on the size of the vehicle, some of these uh, EVs have quite large batteries. How do we recycle them? What kind of program is in place? Because many of us, including myself, who has an EV, are told, you know, in 10 years, this battery is going to be no good, and I'm going to have to either buy a new one. Will there be refurbished ones? Yep, uh, great question. Um, And uh, I will say, again, as part of the uh, regulatory structure of these new regulations, there are enhanced and more robust 
uh, warranty requirements associated with uh, electric vehicle components, including batteries. Um, with respect to your recycling question, um, not something that's very known, but there are actually recycling plants already up and running. Um, there was just a, a new one announced in the United States uh, a, a couple of weeks ago. Um, I think that brings it up to four for this one particular company. And there's a ton of investment um, in uh, a, in, in a bunch of manufacturing initiatives, including battery recycling as a result of the Federal uh, Inflation uh, Re uh, Reduction Act. So we're seeing, uh, and, and in Europe, as you mentioned, uh, they're ahead of us in terms of the deployment of EVs, also ahead of us in terms of uh, the recycling of, of batteries. So there's some very, very successful recycling plants um, in Europe that have been doing this work for uh, a number of years now already. So um, we will probably need to scale that up for sure. Um, but these solutions are already in the pipeline and being addressed. Well, I thank you for sharing a lot with us because I think, you know, for a lot of people, you know, to take that plunge to buy an EV, it is new territory. It's a new technology uh, to a certain degree. Yes, in Europe and California, they've had, uh, you know, EVs for many years. Uh, but I think definitely that the state of Connecticut has to work together with the legislature to make sure that the support, the resources, the money is there uh, for rebates so they can accomplish this goal. Because right now it's definitely not in that situation or stage, right? Um, well, you know, it's it's a small percentage of the market right now, but it's actually growing incredibly uh, rapidly. Um, in just the first quarter of this year, 2023, um, EV sales were actually up 60% relative to the same period next year. And you've seen this for a number of years now, exponential growth year over year. Um, consumer interest is there. Consumer demand is there. Um, quite frankly, uh, one of the barriers, uh, you mentioned a couple, but, but one of the important barriers is um, access and accessibility ability to electric vehicles. For a number of years, the Sierra Club has been doing a report about the availability of electric vehicles on auto dealership lots, um, which it can be tough to find an electric vehicle at your local dealership. So uh, by uh, establishing this uh, gradual ramp up of the sales mandate, um, we're actually ensuring that electric vehicles will be in the showroom when an interested consumer shows up um, and might be interested in one. Uh, if they're not familiar with it, it'll be there to take a test drive. They can learn about the dashboard, etc. Do you drive an EV? I do not because I bought my car 10 years ago. Um, and uh, again, uh, Extending the life of uh, useful vehicles rather than uh, trashing it is also part of uh, environmental stewardship. Uh, but I can guarantee you uh, my next car is going to be an EV. Well, I hope so. Well, thank you so much for joining us on Real Talk today. And I'd like to have you back as we go further along this process. I think, you know, we are moving in that direction. More and more people are driving EVs, but there's still a lot to know and do. And so I hope you'll come back on Real Talk. I would like nothing more. Thank you so All much. All right, Charles, thank you. Take care. Right. And thank thanks you. for listening, everybody. See you next time.